Zeros. Thanks for tuning in to Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that started breathing spaghetti sauce. I'm Joe, and I'm joined this week by two other homicide detectives talk to you about the movie Seven, and their names are Sequel. The podcast that's a fine place worth fighting for. And Corey. The podcast that embraces and nurtures apathy as if it were a virtue. So we're here to talk to you about Seven, but first, even before we do what we've been watching for the week, I have an announcement to make, and it's... Well, you guys know, but <laughs> it's the month of August is going to be Listener Request Month here at Zero's Talking Heroes, so what we need you to do as listeners is go on Twitter, send us a message at ZTH Podcast, send us a message on Facebook, facebook.com slash ZTH Podcast. I'm going to try to make threads on both those sites, or send us an email, zthpodcast at gmail.com. Boom. I kind of expected that. I missed that. it. Damn it. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. There'll be at least one more. Let us know what movie your heart desires us to cover as a podcast, and whatever... We have two slots open, so whatever two movies get the most votes are the ones we're going to do. So you need to get your requests in by August 10th. If they're not in, I'm sorry. Try again next year. (laughs) Now, without further ado, what we've been watching this week. Corey, what have you been watching? I have been watching things, Joe. Things. Uh... Three movies we're going to talk about, and then two television shows. Can't wait. I watched The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, Kurt Russell's in it. Sure is. I've never seen it. It's, uh, it, honestly, I think it's pretty good. Um, it's great. Yeah. Special effects for the time. Really. Oh, revolutionary. For real. Definitely things that you see get pulled pulled from in movies that have come after it. Uh, Storyline is, is good. It's a exactly what you want out of a John Carpenter uh, John Carpenter horror movie. Ambiguous ending. Ambiguous ending, which I loved. Um, I err on the side of everybody dying, personally. Well, it's... I don't want to spoil it for Joe. Yeah. We can talk. Fair. We'll talk later. In, in Hall- John Carpenter's Halloween, they were watching The Thing from Another World, which is the yes. original thing, which is kind of cool. Because mm-hmm. he made The Thing, like, what, four years after that? Four years, yeah. So... I also watched Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Haven't seen it yet. It's fucking terrible. That's what I hear. That's, that's what I've heard, too. fucking awful. Now, what I will say is that when they add the third piece into it, when they finish the trilogy, if you watch them back-to-back, it'll probably be okay. This, as a standalone movie, is fucking useless. It's awful. Don't... Waste your time. Wait for the third one to come out and like watch it right before going to see the, the third and one. Binge through. Like it's it's. I think they added it to HBO recently. They did. That's how I watched it. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm finally going to get around to watching this. You know, the things that work, the things that work in the Harry Potter universe still work. It, it's it's cool to see the Fantastic Beasts. It's cool to see magic happen. But like the actual story that they're telling us is just. It's literally filler. It's literally act two of a three act structure of a three act structure, and that is not act two is not a good movie. Do you, generally, do you find yourself for like movie franchises to be more of a purist and like not really give a crap about the spinoffs? Uh, I'm just going to enjoy the franchise. If I enjoy the franchise, I'm going to, en- going to enjoy the franchise. I'll probably I will probably be the guy that's like it's not as good as the original, but. Like, like, I'm I, that guy. I was always the guy that got the book the day it came out. 
went to opening nights for the movies for Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. But for the first Fantastic Beast, I didn't watch that till like a year after it yeah. came out. Like, there was no juice Because it's it. not the... I mean, it's the same universe you love, but it's not the same story that you love. Right. And, like, I'm not as big of a Star Wars fan as some people in the room. Mm-hmm. But, like, I really like the the episodic, like, one through nine they're doing. And the spinoffs, like, yeah, if I never see them, I never see them. I mean, I have to for the show, but it really doesn't affect me either way. I like Star Wars a little bit more because I just think that there's a little bit more, a little more meat on the bone there, because it's a it's a galaxy. Like you can take it in so many different directions, so many different ways. Where like the magical, the underground magic world of London, of London and England is that that well only goes so deep. Like it's well, there's so many other magical worlds you haven't not worlds but like well yeah and that, locations and that's what, you haven't seen and that's what I'm saying like that's what they're trying to do with this they did whatever magic happens in New York in the first one and now it's magic that happens in Paris and cool but the story isn't holding its own well enough to rationalize them making the movie overall so it's a cash grab it's definitely a cash grab I watched Rounders great movie outstanding oh, movie phenomenal movie god that movie's so good I know I had seen like bits and pieces of that movie over the course of my life but I don't think I ever sat down and watched it end to end. I did, and fuck, it was great. Watching John Malkovich go full tilt is unbelievable. There's a podcast called The Rewatchables that Bill Simmons does for The, for the Ringer. Okay. It's all about, like, movies. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And uh, they do a Rounders episode, and uh, he does an interview with Matt Damon. And Matt Damon talks about work of John Malkovich. There's really good stories on there. Nice. Definitely check that out. Okay. He's got the worst poker tell in the entire world. He does. Oh, yeah, that was a terrible poker tell. <laughs> the one story he tells, too, Malkovich showed up on, like, the last day of filming, so they did all the scenes in, like, one day. Yeah, really and the, the crew just kept telling Matt Dean, like, oh, wait till Malkovich, Malkovich gets here, he's going to raise your game, he's going to be great. So Malkovich comes up with that over-the-top Russian accent. It is a little over-the-top. And, and he says his line, and the crew's like, oh, yeah, great job. And Matt Dean was like, this is fucking terrible. He's like looking around like like the, the practical yeah. jokes being played on him. So then they do another take of it and he has the same look on his face and everyone's cheering and Malkovich sees Matt Damon looking like disgusted and leans over and goes, yeah, I don't know how to act. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that... John Malkovich definitely doesn't, should not ever do a Russian accent ever again. He knows his part. I don't know. He knows the part, but to me he's... It, 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 Seems to me like it's an American guy who's trying to make people believe that he's in the KGB. What hand do you think he had at the end? So, I'm trying to wait. Damon Damon flops the nuts. Yep. Right. So he has two to two to five. It's a low one, to, or is it? I don't. Rem- I I just I forget the board. I even watched a YouTube video that broke it down like it was a World Series of Poker hand. He, oh really? Yeah, it was pretty. Funny. I think it's five ten. I think he, it was. Yeah, he flopped the straight right. The nut straight, yeah. yeah. He dropped. He flopped the nut straight. So, the couple the poker movies I have seen, I've always enjoyed. Rounders is really good, right? Twenty one, I enjoyed. That's well, blackjack. blackjack. It's blackjack. You could include Molly's Molly's game in that. Molly's game, yeah. Sure. Okay, yeah. Um, There's the oh crap. There's Maverick with Mel Gibson. Oh, Maverick is, with Mel Gibson. I hate that movie. I, I don't like that movie. That movie's fine. Um, There's Mississippi Grind. There's one with Adam Driver that bad too. Robert Duvall plays his dad. It's just 
Uh, so those are the, the three movies I'm going to talk about. I've did also you started talk about three movies. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. yep. I don't remember two. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and then I started watching two sitcoms. First of which being Community. Good choice. Good choice. Have you guys watched Community? Yet? I never took the plunge. No. I've watched okay. everything but the last season. Okay, so my friend John swore up and down that I would love it, and he was like. Damn near, like, forced me to start watching it. So I dive in and start watching it. It hit me yesterday as I was doing, like, a mini binge of it that the show is actually way more brilliant than I ever gave it credit for. It's a good show in general, just as, like, a general, like, comedy. It's really clever. It's super clever, but even more importantly than that, it is one of the most meta shows I have ever seen. So the whole show... Like you, if you look at it from the outside, having never seen it, you think Joel McHale is the lead. He's the main, or he's the main character. It's like a group of them, right? It's a group of them. Yep. But you think Joel McHale is the main character, but the way that the whole series is framed is through one of the side characters, making them the main characters, making the whole thing super meta. So they constantly do these um, film parodies where they're like parodying like movies and television. Only one character of that main group of friends, is obsessed with movies and TV. You're watching his experience of the rest of the group. Huh. Thus making him the main character. It's so meta and, like, deep that it's, like, blowing my mind. I'll have to check it out. It's how, how far really are you? Uh, season two. Okay. I think, far and away, season one is the best of that show. I think it's it's good after that, but season one was, like... The prime community. See, for me, I'm liking season two better than I'm liking really? season one. Did you love the paintball episode? I did love the paintball that's, episode. That's one of my favorite episodes on TV. Okay, that's fair. That's a whole different camera. That was an amazing... <laughs> was, that the, was that season one? Or was that season, season one. Two? Okay. The, like the first paintball one. The KFC rocket ship episode mm-hmm. was fantastic, though. That was pretty good. Because they're, like, parodying, like, Apollo 13 and, like, a bunch of other, like, space disaster movies. It's fucking hysterical. I'll check it out. Yeah. And then my last thing that I've been watching, I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And, again, fan-fucking-tastic. Great show. Great show. Possibly the best cold opens on television. Who's your favorite character? Uh, Rosa. Okay. Rosa. I fucking love her so much. I would... Not that I would be loyal in, like, the weird hipster food sense or the nerdy, not really that cool sense but as far as like having unrequited love for Rosa that would absolutely be me Boyle's my favorite Boyle's great I love Joe LaTruglia I like everything he's in he's just awesome he's been in so much too like as you like rewatch movies you're like oh my god it's Boyle like That's it's nice. yeah he works a lot yes Chelsea Peretti movie. is good I, I like her character yeah. I like the way she car- I like the way that that character acts like the way she carries herself it's funny especially considering who she is compared to who she's working with. So she's just a person working around a bunch of, hom- like, essentially homicide detectives. Yep. And she's just not taking any of them seriously at all, ever. It's fantastic. My friends is all of my what have I been watchings. Sneaky, you want to give us yours? Yes. I remember my fifth, so it's cool. Sweet. Nice. So I took a trip to visit my family down in Virginia. Good. And I got a book on tape. For the ride down to Stephen King book called The Long Walk. And it's really interesting. It's like 
uh, it's not post-apocalyptic, but I guess dystopian future. And it's a competition where uh, boys aged like 16 to 18 ha- have to walk from like, they start in Maine and they're just con- it's a continuous walk. They got to maintain a speed at least four miles an hour. If they fall below four miles an hour, they get warnings and three warnings, your ticket gets punched, which means you get shot and killed. <laughs> Oh my god. And if you if you're the last one standing, you get a prize of anything you want forever for the rest of your life. And it's really interesting and I really wanted them to make a, a movie about it and they I did some research on it. There's a bunch of film rights going on about it, but it inspired me to watch Stephen uh, Stephen King's Stand by Me. I love Stand by Me. I think that's my favorite Stephen King. I think it's the best movie adaptation. Well, you're a big Shawshank fan. Oh, uh, that's right. Shawshank's a novella. Yeah, so it's... Oh, the, the body is a novella, too, the Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. I always forget that Shawshank is, is considered... is is in there. Stand By Me is one of my favorites. And I, that used to be on all the time when I was a kid, and I feel it's on less frequently now. I think but. it's got one of the best cat... like, kid movie casts yeah. ever, ever, like, put together. A lot of kid movies sugarcoat it, like coming-of-age movies, mm-hmm. where... The kids don't really act and talk the way they would in real life. And I feel this is like a realistic one. By that age, I was cursing. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, they're what they're twelve, going 12, on thirteen. Yeah, twelve, thirteen. So no, that's that's a really good movie. If you haven't seen it, I um, haven't. Really? really? Yeah, that doesn't that shouldn't surprise you guys. I just saw Shawshank. How long ago? Oh, that's that's true. true. I've seen like no Stephen King movies. I love Stephen King movies. Yeah. Stand by me, misery, Shawshank, Green Mile. I've seen Shawshank. It. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of trash Stephen King adaptations. Of. Oh, Maximum Overdrive is Maximum trash, Overdrive. but funny. Well, doesn't he also have a lot of trash books? Christine, he has so many books. Yes, so many books. Christine's a good movie. It's a fine movie. I think it's. I want to say it's fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I really like Christine. That's in my Halloween movie rotation. Okay. All right. Good. I, I'm a fan. I'm looking at it. Don't worry. Nice. Uh, I also watched Top Gun because the Top Gun 2 dra- trailer dropped last weekend and I want to re- relive all my Top Gun Top moments. <laughs> did you, like, did like the trailer drop, you watch it for like 30 minutes and then put Top Gun in immediately? No, well, it dropped when, well, it dropped Sunday, right? Yeah. Um, I was busy doing something. So by, I watched it, like, I watched it one night during the week. I don't remember which night, but... Yeah, super pumped for the trailer. Val Kilmer's definitely in it. He re- He's not in the trailer, but he reposted the trailer on his Twitter. Miles Teller's in it. <laughs> he plays Goose's son. He's not the lead, right? If he's, only, if he's not the lead, it'll be fine. Well, Tom Cruise is the lead. Perfect. Oh, that's true. Tom Cruise isn't good. It's Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it's literally got his yeah. name in it. Good. So, yeah, I love Top Gun, and Top Gun 2 is probably going to be bad, but I uh, really odds are want, against it. I really want it to be good. I really, really do. It, so there's two. There's a couple ways that it could go, right? It could. They could be really trying, and it just turn out bad. They could try and make a good movie, which is what you're hoping for. And I mean, then everyone third, tries to make a good movie, I guess. But here's the third option, and here's what I'm thinking and kind of hoping myself. I kind of hope they lean into the cheesiness of how, like, that style didn't age. 
Like, that's what I want. Like, I want it to always be to. funny. The trailer looks somewhat serious. Yes. Top Gun is not, like... It's not good in a technical sense. Yeah. Like, it, it's full of... The dialogue's cheesy. That's the, what I The mean. volleyball scene doesn't need to be there. That's just oiling up dudes for... You know, it's... I'll but that. For the, oiling up dudes' sake. <laughs> The, the flight sequences, though, are stunning. They're... Oh, yeah. They're beautiful. So... Everything else, it, it's it's a bunch of filler to get us to flight scenes. I mean, I really like it, but, but like, it's, it's, it's no Godfather. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's... But so Top Gun 2, if it, it's along the same line. People love nostalgia nowadays, right? That's, that's true. It's, it's in. Enough so. people love Top Gun that I'm sure this movie will at least succeed. Oh, it's, financially, it's going to be a success, but I don't yeah. want it to be, like, laughable. Like, I was a little nervous about it. We'll find out, man. We will find out. Also, Christine has a 70. Only 27 reviews, though. Ah. On Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Not certified. Correct. Maybe I'll revisit it. So I watched it right after I finished reading the book, and uh-huh. I was like, ugh. I might have a code. Oh, cool. I'll check. Yeah, let me know. I also watched Reservoir Dogs. Uh, yes. Because Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out this week, and Reservoir Dogs is my favorite Tarantino, so I figured I'd... Get ready for it. Um, yeah, I think we talked about Reservoir Dogs on the show before. I, I just, think it was like a couple weeks ago before yep. we watched it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I yeah, it, I watched it recently. Yeah, that's 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 number one for me. Um, Such a good movie. I think it also is for it's me. It's quick too. It is. It's a quick watch. I think I I, having watched it recently, so reasons to buy it, playing into it. I think I might like it better than Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction was my one for Tarantino for a while, but Pulp Fiction's it, got too much going on. Like it's too convoluted. I mean, I don't think it's bad at all. I just yeah. think, I think I think Reservoir Dogs is number one because simplicity. Yeah, oh, it's just such a nice, really. straightforward film, and Quentin Tarantino kind of leaves that in the dust for a while. Yeah, I think Tarantino's best the, the best thing about his movies is the character interaction and the dialogue that he writes. Yeah. is is so memorable. It's crisp. It's clear, and it's it drives the movie. They're not action packed, right? Like, I guess Reservoir Dogs, not really an action movie. It's a heist movie where you never see the heist. Yeah. And it works. It's all post-heist. Yes. it's And they just describe the heist. And there's some deleted scenes with the heist, and that would have ruined the movie. Yeah, I don't think... I don't want that. And I think if he had the budget, he would have filmed the heist. Probably. It was a very low-budget movie. $30,000. Part of its charm. Exactly. Also, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood today, what? actually. Um, my theater experience aside, it's very good. It's two hours and 45 minutes. It doesn't have to be. Of course not. Act two drags a, a bit. You can chop off 20 minutes and it's still really good. And still really long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you off, if you can only chop out 20 minutes, it's, it's still, still two and a half hours. It's still, I mean, end game status. 20 minutes, well, that was only like a three hour movie. That was three, yeah. three hours. That was actually three hours. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, this, this is very good. Um, if, again, taking off 20 minutes, I think, would be the perfect length for it, for everything that it has going on. It's one of those revisionist history movies, so they if they focus on um, the, the Sharon Tate murder. But that's like a subplot going on with, with, between Leo and Brad's plot is the main plot. Mm-hmm. And it's up there. It's my, a top two Brad Pitt performance for me. Wow. He is really good. I think he's going to get like a Best Supporting Actor nod for this. Is Leo considered the lead? I guess. Like, I was thinking, like, I guess you can make a case for either of them being the lead, but 
Leo's like the main guy and Brad Pitt's his stunt double, so yeah. I guess he's like the lead. He's, he's driving the story. Cool. It's like a uh, Vigo, Mahershala Ali thing. Yeah, oh, definitely. Because <laughs> they're both in the movie a lot, but yes. one of them has to be the lead. Exactly. They're both doing different things also, mm-hmm. but like in their friendship hierarchy, I would put Leo yeah. a notch above it. Well, he's the face and the yeah. other guy's stunt double, so that makes sense too. It's it's really good. Like uh, both of you should see it. Yeah, I plan on it. I definitely plan on it. That's probably what I'm going to do whilst uh, the wife is away. I want to see it again. I got to see Stuber first, and then that. Yeah, Stuber got bad reviews. Heard it's really good. Did you? Like I heard a lot. A lot of people enjoy comedies, it. Comedies, man. Comedies don't get critics really? don't like comedies. Yeah. But it's weird, though, like because like Game Night did well, Blockers did well critically, and I feel Good Boys is going to do well critically. Well. Yeah, because Good Boys is like Young Kids Superbad, and Superbad got like a 90 yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Superbad is such a good movie, though. So I feel like critics do like certain comedies. They have to be, They have to like cross a clever threshold for critics, because mm-hmm. if it just makes you laugh, which is the point of a comedy, they're like, the jokes were dumb and stale. It's like, but did you laugh? Well, yeah, I laughed my, my ass off the entire time. Then you liked it, didn't you? The last movie I watched is a dark comedy, and it's a new release, and I really need someone else to see it so I can discuss this with them, because after walking out of the theater, I'm like, what the hell did I just watch? The Art of Self-Defense. Oh my god, I can't wait to watch this movie. I, I cannot wait to see it. feel you will like it. It's the oh Jesse Eisenberg God, movie. yes. The commercials have been popping up all over Hulu, and I want to see this movie so bad. I keep looking at Pam, like, Pam, can we go see that? And she's like, no. I'm like, well... I'm going, I'm going anyway. So. See it soon, cause she's going away for four days. Yeah. When I went to AMC, I got the flashlight theater, so it's it's not making a lot of money. So, did it just come out two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, uh, they gave it the tiny theater, but it's also going up against Lion King and yeah, there's a lot Once of upon a time. So. Literal blockbusters happening right yeah. now. Yeah, so. it's weird. It is. Someone saw it and told me about it and said it was like a darker Napoleon Dynamite, and I really like Napoleon Dynamite. I don't like Napoleon but this goes. Dynamite. Beyond Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, Dynamite. this the from the trailers it reminds me of a couple other movies that I really enjoy that are weird and be like this, like independent like this. So I'm super stoked to see it. It's I'll say this: none of the characters are believable. Like yeah. they, they fit the world that it's set in, mm-hmm. but it, it's it seems like it's in our reality, but, like, nobody acts like this. Yeah. Nobody talks this way. It's, 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 it's freaking ridiculous. And the, the plot is, it's straightforward, but it's, like, really bizarre. Mm-hmm. And, like, walking out of there, um, I laugh at a few moments, but, like, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell did I just see? Cool. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious to get your reaction. I, f- I feel like you're going to like it. Yeah. I will let you guys know, hopefully, next week. Yeah, so, that's it. That's my five. I mean, this is my turn. Yay! Yay. Uh, I mean, I have five things, but one of them really quick, because Corey already talked about it. I also started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Love that show. Joe, it's so good. So good. I can't wait till, for us to keep talking about it. <laughs> Me too. We're gonna... It's going to be a fun, ongoing saga. When you get to season three and you find out who the boyfriend is, text me immediately. Okay. You got it. Put it in the chat. Yes. It'll be about three days. Okay. Cops. He's going to beat me there. Don't well, don't the put it in the chat. No, I'll just send you... I'll be last, so I'll put it in the chat. Side chat. Yeah. You put it in the chat when we can start talking about it. Yes. Perfect. Got it. And then the other four movies. Uh, I watched Taken on a Train, a.k.a. The Commuter. (laughs) Oh, good. Taken on a Train. I I think I like it better than than Taken. Really? Yeah. That's a hot take. 
I didn't think Taken was that great. People love Taken. I don't Taken. get it. I thought love it. I thought Commuter was like a better put together movie that I cared more about. I guess. I think Taken was just so unexpected. I don't think anybody saw that movie coming. And since then, I think everybody sees Liam Neeson in anything, that's what they're looking for. Exactly. And Taken hit that, like, 40 and up demographic. Like, oh, it's an action movie that, like, I can relate to. Sort of, like, I have a daughter, I would do anything for my daughter. And and it, and it, and it answers the, the never-ending philosophical question, what does is, what is James Bond do when he retires? He becomes Liam Neeson and Taken. Like... <laughs> You don't forget what you did, like, you don't forget how to do those things, you just try to live at home, and then if your daughter gets kidnapped, you're right back in. Like, if you told me he was the same guy in all these movies, I would believe you. Yeah. You because, really it, it, I mean, wow. literally, he should be, like, the same named character, and just, this should be his franchise. Taking out a 58 on Rotten Tomatoes, and the commuter got, like, a 56, so it's like, we're, we're right there. <laughs> I enjoyed the commuter more. Not, like... Incredibly more, but I think it's a little better. You know what movie I liked Le- that Liam Neeson did in the wake of Taken? The um, Grey. Walk Among the Tombstones. That one. That one? I, I really enjoyed Walk Among the Tombstones. Western Taken. Yeah. <laughs> Western Taken. No, Walk Among Taken the Tombstones. Taken on the Plane. Is, um, not that kind of plane. It's like a noir. It's like a what? Are you sure it's Walk Among the Tombstones? Mm hmm. It's, like it's a noir. It's it? a mm-hmm. That's got a 67 Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it's not as popular as the other ones. I not think they got a limited release, too. It did. It was taken on the snowplow that came out earlier this year. Cold Pursuit. <laughs> There's Taken with Wolves. That's gray. That's the gray. <laughs> you can do this all night. We could. What's not? Yeah. I don't, I we have to get the seven at some point. <laughs> I watched a movie that Sequel really likes. Uh-oh. Spotlight. Yeah! Spotlight's awesome. Spotlight's pretty good. Yeah, that scene with Mark Ruffalo. It's so though. bad. I was I, I was waiting for the for the Oscar moment scene. Like that's that's the one. That's the overacting central. It's, man, they know. <laughs> you know what's really weird is like I haven't actually seen Spotlight, but you've seen that scene. No. Oh. Every time we bring up this movie and we talk about that scene, sequel comes in with the they knew that he does, <laughs> and I can see. Mark Ruffalo doing it. Like, I can see how he sounds when he said, like, I can see it. It's. I mean, I guess it worked. Put a picture. He got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He did. <laughs> he didn't he win. Nominated, did not but. win. He has a weird accent. He's really movie. weird in that movie. Yes. Like, his just character is just weird. Gar- uh, Garabedian? That's yeah. Right? No, that's the lawyer. He's Resendez. Right. Mike Resendez. Resendez. Yeah. He writes the article. He does. He sure does. Liam Schreiber. I always forget he's in that movie too. When he pops on the screen, I'm like, this seems out of character for you, but you do a really good job. He's really, he's like really understated in that movie, but he's he's good at it. I was like, you're saber tooth. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw yesterday. What'd you think? I liked it. I think it could have been put together better as a movie. Okay. He gets forgiven really easily for stuff. I'm not going to go into details because I don't think Corey saw it. I didn't see it. So. You still got time. I do. Yeah, I'm making money. Yeah, I'm surprised. I honestly, thought I, I honestly thought I was going to miss it. So there you go. There's my three movies. I might do those all in like the course of a day or two, though. Nice. There you go. Just. Wow. Just three. Just, just, just use all three will knock them out. Day at the theater. Yeah, why not? Great. Corey's day out. Dude, and like that AMC theater's got the, the fancier food. Yeah. 
And it's got the fancier food, so like you can actually get like a meal there if I need to. I mean, if you have time in between, there's also a pizza place down in this shopping center. Well, that's right. And a Mexican place. And a red lobster. You don't have time. You don't have time for that. I don't need get the biscuits to go. I don't need seafood. Get the biscuits though. Cheddar red biscuits. Those are phenomenal. Those cheddar biscuits are pretty good. <laughs> you can actually take the biscuits home. They give you a biscuit reheat bag. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whatever biscuits are on the table, they can't serve again. So. Right, but they actually give you a, like a insulated. An bag. insulated bag. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. I learned something today. <laughs> Yesterday was good, and the last thing I watched was Gattaca. I've seen Gattaca. I, I had never seen it before. What'd you think? It's it's good. Interesting, right? Yeah. Corey, you said you haven't seen I it? I haven't seen oh, it. Hold on. Don't care. I no. can't tell. I mean, I found it strangely like compelling and tense watching Jude Law pull himself up the oh, stairs. Yeah. I was like, I'm in this so hard <laughs> right now. <laughs> I love... Um, one thing I don't like about the movie, Jude Law and Ethan Hawke look nothing alike. They look enough alike. To, to pass? I don't know. They put the line in the movie, no one looks at pictures anymore. Yeah. They look close enough. Like, we've all had bad driver's license or photos or, like, library card photos where they don't really look like us. But they're the center of a murder investigation. I don't think it's passable enough. I guess. I mean, maybe the cops aren't that good. I don't know. And also, it looks... <laughs> also, <laughs> I should see this. The scraping—it's on the, Prime. The scraping of the skin looks incredibly painful. Oh yeah, when it goes through every morning, yep. especially when he's on the beach. Ugh. Yeah, it's, I'm like, why are you doing this? Uh, I do like the I didn't save enough for the swim back moment. Too. <laughs> it's cheesy, but it worked. Yeah. I like that movie. I haven't seen that movie in years. Yeah, it's a good one. I enjoyed it. Surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did. And. That's what we've been watching. Unless you had another question about Gattaca. And that's now, that's what we've been watching this week. Let's do our movie facts for Seven. It's only been forever. <laughs> Seven came out way, way back in 1995. It's rated R. It's two hours and seven minutes long. It's directed by David Fincher himself. Starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kevin Spacey, Arlie Ermey, and Richard Roundtree. Budgeted at $33 million, which I feel like was a decent amount in 95. Sure. It grossed $327 million. Wow. $100 million domestic. Did pretty well. Rotten Tomatoes, 81%. Certified fresh. Sorry, it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. <laughs> Audience score of 95%. Wow. Really high. IMDb, 8.6 out of 10. Metacritic, 65, with a user score of 8.9. Who's on Metacritic? Am I right? <laughs> Haven't done that in a while. Exactly. Those are the movie facts for Seven. By the way, if you're curious why we're doing this movie, they came out with comics based on Seven, like, a number of years ago. 2008, you Something said? like that, yeah. Something like that? So that allowed us to do this as a good movie before we do Listener Request Month, just to make sure. <laughs> just to be safe. <laughs> to make sure we got one in. We don't want to doubt you guys, but we also know that you guys like listening to us suffer, so... Yeah. Sometimes they're the most fun episodes, the bad movies. Oh, they are. That's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> I believe it. Those are the movie facts for Seven. Let's give you our general thoughts, which as always are spoiler-free, starting with sequel. I haven't seen this movie in a while, and I've seen several other David Fincher movies since, and this movie is not as good as those, but it's still pretty good. Not the best Brad Pitt performance, I feel. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I have a real love-hate relationship with the guy. It's dark. It's incredibly clever. And uh, I, I like the premise a lot. It's just, I think it could have been executed better. But I, this might have been David Fincher's first feature film. Not positive on that. According to my limited research that I'm doing right now to see what other things are David Fincher films, mm-hmm. it is definitely his first feature. Okay. So Fight I Club feel, will be his next one in 99. Right, I like Fight Club more. I like oh, this. no, I'm lying. He did one in between called The Game. Yeah, oh, we he saw did The that. Game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of like The Game more. I like Fight Club more. I like The Social Network more. I like... I know you, you had a interesting experience with The Game, so... He's out there, I mean, he's bizarre. I really like his filmmaking style. Um, he directs Brad Pitt a lot. Yeah, they're, 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 they're connected. He's one of those guys that has people that he likes working with. Zodiac's also really good. So I feel very good start for David Fincher, and I feel he got better throughout the years. There's a stinker or two in there, but. Yeah, Panic um, Room exists. Yeah, Panic Room's not the greatest. In World War Z 2? What? It's not out yet. That's unbelievable. They're making a second one of those. That's been have Brad Pitt now. in production like hell for a while. Did he do the first one? Yes. No. Well, I mean, Brad Pitt did the first one. Brad Pitt did. Yes. Yeah, David Fincher did not do the first right. one. Right. So yes, seven's good. I feel like it's not great though. But we'll get into specifics. We sure will. Hey, Corey, what do you think of seven? I really enjoy seven. Um, I've always enjoyed Seven. I think when I compare it to the list of other films that David Fincher did, based just off the what I just did, because I don't, I don't know directors generally speaking. He, seven, Seven gets knocked down a few pegs because of that, because I think that the man has made better movies. I think there are moments where this movie sings and is really, really good, and then there are moments that are a little bit clunky, like they nobody there knew exactly what they wanted to do with the scene with a scene but they just kind of like gritted their teeth and forced their way through and they were like well that was a take let's move on to the next thing but overall i mean just conceptually i I really enjoy the the concept of this movie if nothing else i think it's a good story to tell i had a vhs copy of this wow (laughs) i didn't watch it for this because who who can play those anymore i can't i don't think i could so I forget if this is the second or third time I've seen this movie. I definitely saw it way too young, based on it being a VHS copy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a blockbuster <laughs> family rental. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's I think it's a very solid movie. But yeah, some of the interactions between characters are kind of clunky. A little a little bit of the filmmaking is just you can tell that he's still getting his footing, but there's enough there that it, he ended up making still a really good movie. The premise is really cool. I actually think Brad Pitt's really good in this movie. Uh, we're different on that. Because the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, let's see Josh Hartnett do this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could. That's not... All right. We'll get into it. I don't think so at all. <laughs> it's probably one of the bottom tier David Finch movies, just based on the better movies that he's made after it. But Seven's still really good. It's hard when you have movies... I mean, you're... You, when you make five, a list of five movies that include The Social Network, Seven, Fight Club... Um, Zodiac, Zodiac, and honestly, you can throw the game in there. Yeah, throw I the, think game, the in game, game and seven are on. Par. Yeah, they are. But that's the thing, right? So those two are inevitably going to fall to the bottom because those other three are just. I haven't seen Zodiac yet, so I can't comment. But the other four, I like. Yeah, I mean, they, they're all. I mean, it's like picking the worst of a bunch of good movies. He did Gone Girl as well. He did. Yes. That's right. He did also did Curious Case of Benjamin Button. That's bad. 
I own a copy of it. I've never watched it. You didn't like No, 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 no. no. That's a bad Brad Pitt performance. That's a bad Brad Pitt performance. I'm not going to argue that, but again, again, but if we're going by something that's like an interesting story... You gotta give him. You gotta give him some points for interesting stories. I feel like the novelty of that premise wore off very quickly. But this is not a Benjamin Button podcast. It's not. This is gonna be such a long episode, and I did <laughs> not foresee this happening. It's been a long night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has been a long, trying night. I, I honestly think that, that you it's... all out there don't know. Yeah, I think we're gonna like zoom, like zoom through the rest of this though. Very rarely so. on a podcast night do we have to make multiple car trips. <laughs> Really? Do we make any? No. Yeah. This is zero percent times that we've made any pre-podcast. We got food once. We post podcast. We had to relocate once pre-podcast. Yes, that's true. Pre-podcast for the hundredth episode. Yeah, right. right. And none of that's uh, anything that moment. happened in seven. No. So <laughs> from here on out, we're going to be getting into the specifics about the movie Seven. So if you haven't seen it, we're going to be spoiling it in about fifteen seconds. So this is your last chance to get out without knowing what happens in the movie Seven. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's it's dark and gory though, and sick. So you know you've been warned. Let's spoil seven starting right now. So I hate the switchblade. Okay. That he throws at the dartboard. You talking yes. about? Yes. Hate it. I hate it. It's. I hate it because I they, at no point do we find out what it's for, and he doesn't. You other than cutting open the box at the end of the movie, it's. A thing that they keep harping on is like one of the first things you see in the fucking movie is like his like lineup where it's his badge, his wallet, the switchblade, and then you see him throwing it like a dart. And at one point he pulls it out, and Brad Pitt's like, "Oh, what the fuck is that?" And he's like, "A switchblade." To which, of course, I respond, "You're a cop, and you've never seen a switchblade before, there, big guy." I think it's the fact that switchblades are like legal, and he has one, and he's like a he's like the moral cop. On the force, like he does it by the book, with the exception of one scene. And even what he does in the one scene is like not terrible. You know what I mean? What's the one scene he where he, he bribes the FBI? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the library thing. Okay. Um, the switchblade is pretty innocuous to me, but I, I I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's exactly what you do in that situation. But um, most of the time, again, I get mad in movies when they do introduce a prop and like it's, it's of little or no importance, but they kind of keep harping on it. Yeah. I, I see your... So I don't think rep. it was significant in the slightest bit. Like, I didn't think they were hinting at anything with the switchblade. It I'm just... Like, I guess he doesn't know I, darts. It, I feel like it comes up way too, all, way too many times. It's multiple for, scenes with the switchblade. Yeah. You do think he's going to do something with it. If yeah. it. And the thing is, like, if it was, if it was, hey, here's the switchblade and he's playing darts with it, fine. But... To have Brad Pitt have a line in this movie where he's like, whoa, what is that? And Morgan Freeman has to respond with, it's a switchblade. What? Like, now you're making it important. Now you're making it need to do something. I think that's just a clunky line of dialogue that he was... That's fair. Nobody trimmed that in the, the final edit. Yeah. A lot of times when there's movies about killers and homicide detectives, I think of, like, a homicide detective's job. Like... When a murder happens and you're on the case, are you working on multiple cases at the same time, or are you just concentrating on this one? Like, I only, I don't know Homicide Detectives, so I can only go by movies. Movies don't focus on multiple cases at a time, unless it's, like, connected. If you want to go by Brooklyn Nine-Nine rules, they work multiple cases. 
Uh, my one guy works multiple cases, or do they separate it by department? It's it's, it's, well, it's I mean, fascinating to me. It's also a fictional city that's crazy and understaffed. Sorry, go ahead. That's true. Um, my friend's dad is a homicide, was a homicide detective. I think he's retired now. Um, I think he just worked. He worked as many cases as as they needed. So you know, in not every town is like this fictional city that we're in in seven or even regular big metropolitan areas like Philadelphia, Baltimore, and New York where homicides happen very often. So in most places, a homicide detective probably isn't working on more than one at a time unless it's necessary. But I think they can. I mean... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just it's always fascinated me. Um, usually requires like a high degree of concentration, as you can see. Like it just becomes their life. Like in their downtime, they're working on the case. On their shifts, they're working on the case. So yeah, I can't imagine them having a second case to deal with. Yeah, just how many homicide detectives are there in like a major city? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I get. I know that's broken up by like precincts. Like what? There's like maybe like five. What are there like ten homicides that happen in your precinct? Everyone gets two apiece. Like I don't. It's how just how do you manage it? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't know, but there that might be, crossed my mind during the movie. You know, and again, not that this is super relevant, but it could always be like each homicide detective gets one, and then as soon as there's one more murder than there is homicide detective, somebody's getting somebody's, somebody's getting somebody's getting or no, somebody's getting brought up from the miners for to pinch hit. Like bring somebody up from AAA, be like, oh, okay, somebody you're up from traffic. Well, not necessarily traffic. I mean, probably like oh, something yeah, that yeah. serious, like. The drug ones or something. I don't know if that will work for detectives, because if there's, like, an exam you have to take. Yeah, but they're all detectives. I mean, they're not all homicide detectives. Right, but there's a spe- specific homicide exam, I feel. Oh, I don't know. I would imagine they outsource and just bring somebody in from another precinct over or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thought crossed my mind for this. Um, the day stamps at the bottom of the screen, is that That's relevant it. to Morgan Freeman's reti- in- incoming retirement, or is this... Trying to be a very on-the-nose way of letting you know days have passed. It could be a... I don't know. I, at one point... I think it's just tracking the week because it's seven days to those retirement, so... Maybe it's seven days to... It could be that, but I mean, there's also seven deadly sins. Is that supposed to be one sin a day? But then that gets all off the rails towards the end there. And if it is seven days to his retirement, that goes out the window when he says, Hey, I'm going to delay my retirement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it's there. That's again. That's another one of those things. Like the dialogue in this movie gets a little bit choppy and convoluted because he's like, "Do me a favor. I'm going to delay my retirement and finish this case. Just let me work on it with you till the end." Like he's going to say no in the first place, right. and then it's like, "Okay, so we have we have some some more days to cover here." Oh no, Kevin Spacey just walked into the front door. Oh, okay, detective. Detective? Detective! I think Kevin Spacey is my favorite, <coughs> favorite character in the movie. He's creepy as hell. He is creepy as hell. And his, I love... He, he executes his plan. I mean... I mean, if you want to be technical about it, he doesn't actually execute his plan. Well, what do you mean? The sloth guy's still alive. No, the sloth guy's dead. He's not? They don't... They, they don't they, no, they said that there's no... There's no... Sa- Guy's brain dead at the very least. Yeah, but he's alive. Yeah, but he's dying. Like he's not making it much longer. He's still got hell to go. I don't think they're keeping him alive though. I think the quality of life at this point. 
I don't know if it's one of those situations where they have to keep him alive, like the Hippocratic Oath. Like, I think because they brought him to the hospital, they have to yeah, keep him alive. Because, you know, like the doctor said, his brain's mush and he ate his tongue. Yeah. Ugh. There's no quality of life there. Kill me. Let me let Sure, me, yeah, agreed. But, um, anyway. Well, on. I mean, even beyond that, honestly, beyond that, I don't know. One of the, I used to rem- remember thinking that this movie had an unbelievable twist ending. Kevin Spacey was the greatest mastermind of all times. And then I watched... It's July 26th. It's almost <laughs> August, people. Um, and then I watched it this time, and I'm like, oh shit, he pulled a fucking audible. What's his audible? His audible is killing Gwyneth Paltrow and using Mills as Wrath. Right, but that... Because he, he's Envy. He himself is Envy. He himself is Envy, but he doesn't know who this guy is until he, acts, until he happens to take a picture of him, and then... Goes and buys the information from the precinct. Well, is that an audible if you don't have a guy for Wrath yet? But that's what I'm saying. We don't know if he had a guy for Wrath already. Yeah. There's no way he kicks this plant. It, it so seems, we don't know. We don't know if he's a, it's an audible, right? Well, what I'm saying is I don't think this guy kicks off this plan in motion unless he... He seems like he kicked the plan off so that every day you would find one of them. And now, once they discover the house... He can't. He doesn't have access to the resources or whatever he needs to go and make sure he gets his wrath kill. And even if his end game is to be envy himself, you know, like it, it just seems like once the house was broken into, like the whole plan went kind of sideways on him. And he was just like, "All right, you know what? I am envy because this guy's got a great life. This guy seems to be have an anger issue. Perfect." He doesn't kill Wrath. That's the other thing. Wrath doesn't die. He doesn't kill Wrath. He kills Gwyneth Paltrow, who's done nothing wrong. Which is the exact opposite of what he's claiming to do. What he's preaching to do. And also, my question for you guys watching it, I had the... I don't know, I was puzzling over it. I was like, so do you think that Mills was marked when he shows up and takes the picture of him and he starts harassing him? Or do you think he gets marked because he shows up at the apartment? Because the two of them show up at the apartment, and he just happens to know who Mills is. Like, do you think Mills damns himself by yelling at him when he's the fake photographer? I think... Or because he shows up at the apartment? I think whoever he was going to take a picture of at the apartment was going to be a part of this. Like, I don't think... But what if he takes a picture of Morgan Freeman? Morgan Freeman's not going to be Wrath. Yeah. I think he was just doing investigative work, and was like, alright, who's on my case? Sure, and then it just... But that's what I'm saying. So who's on my case? Right. Let me find out who this guy is. Oh, they're, we're playing chess now, and they've got they've got me in check because they know where I live. The good news is this guy is clearly got anger issues, so he's now going to become my wrath. So I think that... Where does, apartment, he, where does he take the... He take, doesn't take the picture at his own apartment, right? No, he, he takes, takes the, the picture, the picture right. outside Sloth. of the... Uh, was it Sloth? I don't no, think I think it was, it was Pride. I think it was Pride. pride. No, because Pride. There, were, oh, there were so many. There was a SWAT team for SWAT. Yeah, I think it wasn't, it, I think it wasn't it was Pride me either. Wait, which one is Pride? Is Pride is the model? Yeah, so it can't be that it's one. Not, it's not, oh no, it's not that one. Because that that happens after it's, the is it Lust. It's Lust. No, because no, Lust is not. the brothel. I think it's Sloth. I don't think <sighs> it's Sloth. It's um. It's not greed. It's, it's not, not greed. It's not wrath, greed, envy. Now I don't remember. 
Hang on. Did they it? they order it on Wikipedia. Yeah. My Blu-ray copy had seven spelt the correct way, and it pissed me off. With a seven? Without the seven. With the V. Greed? Was it Greed? No, Greed's the second one. Who's at the mercy of the suspect's apartment where we find the child molested chapter? It doesn't say it in the plot summary of Wikipedia. God damn it. I feel like like they cleared it out. They were going back to look for clues and hints and whatnot and, like, search the scene. And that's when the reporter showed up. So it was after the SWAT team had come in. It might be slow. Oh, no, it is. It's, um... It's, it is, no, it's, it's greed. It's not at the greed cr- crime scene, the, initially. It's the second time around where they have to, because the painting's upside down. It's before they go into the apartment to find the upside down painting. Maybe. Is it? I don't think, I, I really don't think so. The Sloth's the third one, it's before Sloth. I thought it was Sloth, but I, I don't know. I'm not going to turn on the movie to find out at this point, but either way, the point is, Shortly thereafter, he goes back to his apartment, finds the two cops that he took a picture of at some previous point. It's one of the first three. Movies. It's sloth. It's sloth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. John Doe disguises himself as a press photographer to see how the police are carrying out the investigation, or perhaps he needs the disguise to exit the building where the sloth victim was helped. So it's after the discovery of the sloth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I liked that touch too. You don't need to put Kevin Spacey. In a getup with a camera, nobody's like you. Never see his face. Like right. it could be anybody. It doesn't even sound like him. Well, it, 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 knowing that it is him, yes. it did kind of sound like him. Yeah, knowing that it is him, it does kind of sound like him. But like you wouldn't know out the gate. Going into the movie, you know Kevin Spacey's in the movie, right? Like if it's their yes. first time seeing it, you don't think that guy on the stairs is Kevin Spacey. No. Yeah, and like it's movies like this are always hard to watch again because you know the twists and turns. But this one still manages to keep my interest for the most part. I remember the major plot details, but like there were small details I didn't remember. I don't remember there was a police captain, that guy. Are they hear me? Yeah, I don't remember he was in it at all. I definitely did not remember. I don't remember that Dr. Cox was in this movie. That's right. Dr. Cox is in this movie. Was he California? What's his name in this? He's the helicopter guy. I think it's California. Might be. Could be. And then, um... Richard Schiff's in this movie. So is something... Without a beard. That... I was like, holy shit. What's the, the the FBI guy is in a lot of things. Something something Michael Boone or something Boone Michael, something like that. I don't know. Chef is in this movie. Richard Roundtree. So the thing I like about the movie the most is the uh, contrast of personalities and styles between Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. I think is really illustrated well. Like Morgan Freeman is very methodical, does his research, and I, that's illustrated where he's physically reading all these books about the seven deadly sins and Brad Pitt is using the cliff notes right Mills is kind of an asshat yeah he's not a likable guy at all he's very much that stereotypical jock cop that we all hate like not not the brightest bulb in the bunch but wanting to be a cop is a good cop despite that you know he's a good cop I I guess he wants to make a difference but his methods are questionable not as great and yeah, I, in all these movies, we see cops breaking the rules when they have to break the rules because the rules are kind of limiting at times, right? Yeah. It drove me crazy on the greed crime scene when he's just sitting in the chair, touching stuff. Yeah. Like, Dude, what are you doing? After like, after having, like, pissed and moaned at Sloth. Well, that like, was before Sloth. Because greed is the second one. Uh, me, Gluttony. Yes. He made, he, made a bun- he made a big stink about Gluttony and, like, people touching the scene and... 
fucking with the crime scene. And then he gets onto his own, his first one on his own. He sits right in that fancy-ass fucking chair and starts spinning around. Right. Like, Jesus. Touches the TV remote, turns off the TV. He's like, dude, what are, you, what are you doing? Why was the TV on in the first place, though? Maybe he was watching it when he died. I don't know. I guess. Maybe yeah. John Doe turned it on when he left. <laughs> I really do like the contrast of styles, though, and... Morgan Freeman even has a willingness to break the rules, as we mentioned earlier, with the, with the FBI informant with the library bribing him. Mm-hmm. And then Brad Pitt has a problem with how long it's taking, right? He doesn't have a problem with the act itself. He just thinks it's taking too long. And then when he has to bribe the witness, the, the fake witness, in order yeah. to get the warrant, Morgan Freeman seems to have a problem with that. But they're both breaking the rules, too. So I, I really like that dynamic. And it's it's... That scene in particular, I enjoyed. So it's like, Morgan Freeman breaks the rules. And I think Brad Pitt finally like appreciates it. Like, ah, great, perfect. You're not necessarily constantly stuck up. And it worked out really well because we got here. And then he got his ass kicked, which made him mad. Right. Which made him want to kick down the door. But as soon as he was about to kick down the door, Morgan Freeman's, you know, boots came right back up. And it was like, no, 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 we can't. We can't, we can't. And I honestly think that Morgan Freeman's in the right here. Like, you can't just break into this dude's house. Like, and why would you find him? Yeah, because yes. he'll walk. Yeah. He said that. It's true. Exactly. It's super true. And then, again, it's it talk about, like, all the different games of chess people are playing. So Brad Pitt kicks the door and is like, we're doing it now anyways. Yeah. And then Unless he's like... you can fix that. <laughs> yeah. And then he comes up with the, quote-unquote, brilliant idea to... It is. It works. It, yeah. it does, nobody's going to question it. It worked out for the best, right? It's clearly the right house and the right place. Who gives a shit what the source is? Right. Give her twenty dollars. Who gets something to eat? And bada bing, bada boom. You're in the house. It's definitely an ends or means to an end. Mm-hmm. I also like how, especially this time around, knowing that he is going to eventually be wrath. Every time he gets like mad, I'm like, I, I, I just see it. Like, I kind of appreciate it a little more. Like. Like what you said, the first time he's trying to read the Canterbury Tales, I think yes. it's the Canterbury Tales, is the one he like flips out. I think in it's Dante's like, Inferno. Maybe it's yeah, one of them. He mentions Dante. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He, well, yeah, yeah. The Cliff Notes. He's got like Canterbury Tales, mm-hmm. Dante's Inferno, and like two other ones down there. Um, but he's reading one of the actual texts, and he just has a fucking meltdown in his car. Stupid piece of shit fart. I'm like Jesus. This man is. Unnecessarily angry at things. Well, he's really frustrated by the case, and that's how he's choosing to yeah. vent. It's no surprise if he comes right. they can't defend himself. <laughs> no, it's not surprising. I mean, I have a big problem with the ending, but... Let's get into not it. Not a big problem, but enough. I got... I Again, I remember seeing this movie as a kid and being like, holy crap, who saw that coming? But as a guy who, one, knows what happened... When I actually sit down and, and pick apart what happened at the end, I actually have a bunch of problems with the ending, too. It's not that I don't enjoy it, but there's some pretty substantial issues with what happens at the end. Let's go. Come on. Okay. Yeah. So, I, we, we touched on it briefly, but the f- biggest thing for me, personally, is that Gwyneth Paltrow, who has no business being involved in this, gets her head chopped off. I don't have a problem with that, necessarily. Ten minutes... Only That's... because ten minutes before that, he's talking about how... He doesn't kill innocent people. He kills the guy who's too fat to leave his house, or the drug dealing rapist, or okay, yeah, you're. Right. 
I he's do have literally, a problem then, yeah. He's literally being like, I'm righteous, I'm doing the right thing. And then the box shows up and he's like, oh yeah, BT dubs, I killed your pregnant wife because she wouldn't let me play house. But it's cool because I'm Envy. Yeah, but it's cool because I am Envy. So it's kind of like the Jigsaw killer in a way. I kept pulling comparisons to Jigsaw yeah. while I watched this. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is an early version of Saw. Even like the other the other deaths, you could call for help when, with um, Prime when he right. cuts off the nose of Spider Face, gets two things glued in her hand. Call for help, he definitely is going to live. Some minor plastic surgery, she might look a little fucked up, but whatever, fine. Or down a bunch of sleeping pills and die. Like, he's giving these people, some of them, options. Uh, well, I mean... Her. She was oh, the only one who got an option that would save her life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got it. That's a valid point. I mean, I, the goal is to destroy Brad Pitt's life, right? So, I mean, that that's how he chose to do it. I mean... Was this, it's, not, it's not a nitpick. It's just what he's trying to do. It's it's, was, it's fine. Yeah, but what what was his end game there? Like, does he want his end game was to have Brad Pitt shoot Mills. him and then kill himself? Is that what he wanted? Like, how does he kill? No, how does he kill? Because Rich? he he's Rath. assuming that Rath's life is forfeit because he kills an unarmed prisoner. That Mills's life is forfeit because he he shoots him in a field unarmed. Okay, and that's another thing I have a problem with because. You know, I'm not a cop, but I know they have, like, a strong brotherhood. No one who's... I don't think anyone's going to say anything. They're all cops who saw him kill a confessed and known murderer who had just cut off his wife's head and put it in a box. Well, they even kind of hinted at that, like, when he's in the back of the cop car. Yeah. And they're like, take care of him. Oh, we will. Like, he's not going to prison. He's going to go on, like, a very long vacation and decide if he's going he to want to be a cop. reassigned. Yeah. And psychologically, can he recover from this? I mean, yeah, of course. It's also that, too. Fortunately, he didn't look inside the box. No. He, he, had to listen, he had to listen to John Doe explain what happened. And he finds out it was his pregnant wife. He had no idea that she was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, that brings me to my, my least favorite moment of this movie. Which is? The diner scene between... Gwyneth Paltrow and Morgan Freeman. That whole relationship's weird. It's a weird relationship. They just met. Yes. I get the random, like, it's my wife. Yeah, she's insisting you come over for dinner. Like, that is cool. Yeah. The dinner scene is fine, too. But when she calls and was like, can you meet me? And, like, that, again, clunky dialogue. It didn't really fit. And then we get the reveal that she's pregnant, which is fine. But how much more powerful would that end scene have been had we not known that? Had the first time we heard the words pregnancy or pregnant wife or whatever, pregnant, was then. I feel like that would have been too shoehorned in there. That is exactly the word that was going yeah. through my head. Really? Yes. Like if we hadn't heard it before, I'd be like, oh, by the way, she's also pregnant. Like how would, lazy. All right, okay. Yeah. How would Kevin Spacey know that she's pregnant? Yeah. Right? That's the... Because when she's begging for her life... She's I'm pregnant. I mean, she's begging for also... her life. She's begging for her unborn child's life. Yeah. Does he kill the dogs? I don't know. It's never mentioned. If the dog's head in his way, yeah. <laughs> Those are three big dogs. You know they're going to try to protect her. Well, they're in their own room. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe they can't. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the yeah. place, guys. That You're right, though. That relationship is kind of... It's kinda... very clunky, very weird. Yeah. And I get what she's saying, right? Like, I don't have any friends. She knows no one else. She knows no one else. Apparently she doesn't leave the house. I don't think she leaves the house. Yeah, clearly not. She's afraid. 
She's got agoraphobia. Or a city phobia. City phobia. And this is a fictional city, right? We don't know where this takes place? Yes. Anybody else feel New York City? I just assumed it. It's supposed to feel like New York, I think, but I don't think it is, actually. They never say the name, never named, no. And they they purposefully show us newspapers, too. And I tried to, like, pause and look at them, and they're not newspapers that are real, so. No help there. I feel the what's in the box line is comical and it became it's like a meme now and yeah. I, I'm not down with that it's just I don't think say it once be distraught fine but to like to repeat it I, I just it doesn't work for me and when I saw it I was young so I don't I can't have an opinion <laughs> we understand why it's comedic but it's also he's frustrated something important is clearly in the box Morgan Freeman won't tell him what's in the box he also doesn't want to believe it. I, I get why he says it. I just think it's a poor choice. I think he could have could expressed have it a little better. Sure, expressed yeah. it differently. Saw so, seeing it way back when. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a great bit of acting. I mm. like felt it I, younger, younger <laughs> yes. me. Felt less, it less good now. Yes, less good now. And of course, because of the society we live in, where gifts are a thing. Yeah, that's like, a, that's, that's what. And how many things have parodied that? I can't even, like... I can't name some specifically, but I feel there's hundreds. There's a ton. <laughs> I, Anytime something's in a box, yeah. someone I'm with will yeah. say that. What's yeah. in the box? What's in the box? Yeah. I, I, asked, I asked my... Or... Switch it. My wife asked me what we were watching this week, and I said seven. Without skipping a beat, my wife the she immediately responded, "What's in the box?" And then turned around and walked out of the room. <laughs> she didn't even want to know what the answer was. She just said, "What's in the box?" and left was, the was, room. Was there a box in the room? I mean, there's always a box in the room. When I was driving, I called my dad, and uh, he was, <laughs> "What movie are you doing the podcast on?" Seven. He goes, "Ah, oh, the head in the box." <laughs> Everyone brings up the box. And Spoilers, Dad. Jesus, no <laughs> way. When David Fincher's directing that movie and that line comes up and is delivered, he intended for it to be... No. It's like, ah, I, it doesn't work. That's the iconic scene from that movie, though. That's what people take away from it. But it's, is, it's, it's not the how powerful the scene is. No. It's how clunky the line is. And what's crazy is that, like, if you really... If you remove that moment, right? Like, if you just... Box gets delivered... Pause, walk away, turn the television off, don't finish the movie. The other things, the other, like, effects and the other visuals you see are, are honestly way better. Sloth is insane. That's my favorite scene. That is mine, too. <laughs> when they're, like, looking right, like, getting close to it. Sloth like, is horrifying. It is. It's yeah. It's so terrifying. Bravo had a list of, like, the hundred scariest movie moments. That scene made the list. When it starts yeah. screaming, it's... Yeah. Because there's no way you're looking at that thing thinking it's alive. It's no totally way. unexpected. Too. Yeah. Ah. And One and that's it. You you look at it like you watch the scene, and this time around I was like, okay, so it's going to start screaming. How do how did nobody think this thing was going to be a jump scare? Because every other body that they've gone was dead was dead already. Yes. The, this is completely breaking the mold. Granted, we don't, I think we only see two bodies up to that point, but yep. still, it's two bodies. And that's the thing. That's the other thing. As he, as the sins kind of progress, I feel like there are the worst sins seem to have 
more people surviving them. Like lust, same thing. Lust is that that is fucking horrific. Lust and sloth are tied for me in worst death in this. Just like it's horrifying to watch scene. Yeah, it's, when they show the the picture of the, so of the thing gross. was. Yeah, they, it's. I'm glad we don't we don't really see the act though. In lust, no, right? no, that's. Good, good choice. Job. Hopefully it wasn't filmed. That's too much. And if it was filmed, I'm glad it got cut out. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't belong. No, it does not. But, like, he... That guy survives. That guy... It, it, and who is he targeting? Is he targeting the prostitute, or is he targeting the guy who's... The prostitute. Well, clearly, because she's the one that dies. Yeah, he, he has but a picture is, of her in his apartment. Yes. She was the one mentioned she, she was the okay, target. Okay. She was marked as lust. Yes. Okay, okay. He just happened to be the unlucky son of a bitch who... solicited the prostitute. ...was with her that night. <laughs> but from a philosophical standpoint, isn't he just as guilty of lust as she is? Why does he get to live? I don't know, because she was the target. Because they were both yeah. guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. He, he, he draws some strange lines in the sand towards the later ones. Also a serial killer. He's not rational. He's... <laughs> True. That guy isn't really spared... Because now he's got just a horrible thing to live with. I don't know if he had the stutter before, but... He definitely has it now. He Jesus prob- Christ. probably would have had no problem shooting him in the head if uh, he refused to get yeah. into the act, right? Yeah. Probably. Burning off the fingerprints or whatever he does. He cuts off the tips of his fingers. Outstanding! Yep. Yep. Fun touch. Fun little touch. And seeing the fingerprints, like the bloody... Because um, they roll his fingers for fingerprints. You don't see them actually doing it, but you see the sheet. Where oh, it's yeah, like yeah. messed yeah. with ink and blood. Love that. Great, the great whole opening touch. sequence of the movie is him doing that to himself, mm-hmm. like in the subtle visuals that I never noticed till this viewing. I was like, "Wow!" wow. Yeah. Again, it's it's something that obviously when you're just watching it for the first time, you have no clue what the fuck you're watching. Yeah. It takes a second, third, potentially fourth watching for you to even catch what he's doing, and that's exactly it. Like once I saw like the razor blade and like saw like the skin come off, I was like, "Huh, that's that's cool." Kevin Spacey doing the stuff, yeah. and then the writing, all that. Yep. It's you yeah. know, it's it's. A fun way to tie different parts of this movie together that don't necessarily really need to be tied in. Like, you can do whatever you want for that opening sequence, but to make it a background of the serial killer that we don't even know until the movie's over, like, that's a a bold play. It's an interesting, bold play. I agree. Comes on to favorite, least favorite is already late and running along. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Least favorite for me is the... You did both, I think. Right? I did. I'm just going to restate and just okay. make sure. Diner scene is my least favorite. Um, discovery of Sloth, my favorite. I'm going to echo Discovery of Sloth being my favorite. But my biggest takeaway of like a great moment is that that poor bastard <laughs> shaking. <laughs> shaking and screaming. Mm-hmm. All the air fresheners around too, like really set it up nice. The cop gets really close to him. It's... Uh, the cops being such a douchebag going into it, too. Yeah, well, the guy's a douche himself, so... Yeah, of course, so it's fine, but... Um, my least favorite is... That, what's in the box, that is, like, if you look up overacting in the dictionary... Wow, you're going that least favorite? The, his performance, in that... It's a cool setup, mm-hmm. right? I just think Brad Pitt is really over the top with it. Yeah, okay. And that... that that's, Almost Mark Ruffalo over the top. I think he is Mark Ruffalo over the top. He's had to work for Mark Ruffalo because he got the nomination. <laughs> I feel like he would have won had he not overacted so bad in that scene. And maybe, I think this movie, too, was nominated for editing. Maybe edit that a little bit better. Make him say it one time. So, that's favorite and least favorite for me. 
My favorite scene is Mills pursuing John Doe after the apart after the show up at the apartment. Great chase. It's a great chase. It's enthralling. It's a good action scene. It's the only action scene in the movie. For good reason. It's not the kind of movie. And my least favorite scene is the final confrontation at the end. Specifically the fact how Morgan Freeman does a piss poor job of stopping Brad Pitt from shooting or Mills from shooting that's, John Doe. Oh my god. He doesn't do a favorite. lot. No. John Doe has the upper hand now. Maybe, you know, run at him. Take the gun. Don't just be like, hey, give me the gun, you unstable, angry person who just found out his wife's been killed and give put me her head in the, the box. Gun. Yeah, at no point does he say, give me the gun. How does... No, he does. Oh, he does he say, does. give me the That's gun? all okay. he does. How do you feel about his reaction to opening the box, too? Did he seem all that horrified? Like... Yeah, for him... the, the For the character? The baseline, the character. yeah, the baseline they've given this character, which is... Very marginal changes in and his emotions. I, I also think that, on top of that, once he opens the box and realizes it, it's all, like, the pictures become very clear for him. He's like, oh, shit. There aren't two bodies. Right. There's there, about to be two there's bodies. There's about to be. Right, yes. Yeah. Like, I think that's the thing. Like, he was like, this that. seems weird. Where could these bodies possibly be? Oh, shit, they're not. They're still breathing right now. Should we get to Riggs? Let's do it. Let's get to Riggs. Yeah, this is your first time joining us. Every movie that we review gets a rating of an Infinity Stones from 1 to 6. If you give it 6 stones, you can also give it an Infinity Gauntlet. And that about sums that up. Let's kick it to Corey for his rating. Uh, a really good movie. Really strong movie. Uh, it, again, falls a little bit when you consider this guy's breadth of work, but... I still like the performances. Overall, outside of some of the weird clunky moments, I think all the performances are good. I think the story is super unique and interesting and not something that we've seen before and really since. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I'm giving it five stones. Sequel, you're up. I'm going to go a little bit lower than Corey's. I'm going to go four and a half. Um, again, with the movie, movies with twists, the rewatchability factor is hurt because you know what's coming. You're not going to have that shock and awe factor. I think movies with a truly great twist you like rewatching because you try to figure out the subtle clues they give you before revealing the big twist. I don't know if there is a lot in this one. Plus, again, I might be in the minority, but that what's in the box overacting performance. This just uh, takes it down a little bit for me, but I feel four and a, four and a half is fair. And uh, Sticking to it. Joe, what about you? So they give you clues, but they're not subtle. It's him talking to him in the, in the police car. I can't wait for you to see it. <laughs> and, I mean, again, you spent this entire movie seeing him get pissed off at little things. He has an anger issue. Yeah. So it's like, every time he gets ticked off, and he also gets ticked off progressively harder as the movie progresses, which we all just attune to... Well, more people are dying. More people are dying, but what it actually is is just him... More fully becoming wrath, right? But we can agree. Like when a movie has a twist, you need subtle clues or on the nose clues if you yeah, want. Yeah. Like I hate when a movie twist out of left field are yeah, stupid. Because yeah. okay, wow, all right. Yeah. By the way, John Doe was <laughs> Detective Mills' uncle. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's just lazy filmmaking. Yeah, this is you know not this. This is for the most part good filmmaking. Yes, and speaking of that, I'll get into my rating. Yes, sure. please. I think this movie is still very good, despite a few clunky moments. I actually really thought we were going to end up sweeping this, because I'm giving it five stones, too. 
It's solid. I think Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman do a really good job. Morgan Freeman never ages. No. Morgan Freeman mostly it just gets a little grayer in the future, but just he looks almost the same. I guess good for him. I don't sure. know how old he is in this movie though. He looks maybe older than he is. I'm not sure. Retirement age. <laughs> yeah. Retirement age of a cop is in like the early fifties. Good for them. Fifty five maybe to script city, I don't know. The script city. <laughs> Those are our ratings for Seven. If you've seen Seven, I want to let us know what you think about it. And also, send us those listener requests for movies that you want us to cover. Please do. There are two spots. Get your votes in. First way to do that is send us an email, zthpodcast.gmail.com. Boom. Got to that time. Attaboy. You can also find us on Twitter and get us your recommendations. Or, I'm sorry, not recommendations. Um, Requests. Thank you. You can get us your requests on Twitter. At ZTH Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram. I'm not going to use pictures. There's too many pictures in this movie for me to get witty with it because it's going to get gross and dirty and I don't want to do it. But we're on Instagram at ZTH Podcast. We're on Facebook. Go on our Facebook wall. Type the number seven. Just do it. I want to see if anyone does it. That'll be funny for me. Um, ZTH Podcast. What? I screwed that up so bad. Facebook.com slash ETH podcast or search for us within Facebook. Zeros talking heroes. Zeros and heroes and in the end in ES. When I try to do something clever, I fuck it up. <laughs> no. You did great. You done good, kid. It's also been three weeks since any of us yeah. did this. That's true. We're all off our game. A little bit. And find us on iTunes or your podcast app. Give us a five star rating if you're enjoying the show. If you want to give us a review, that's awesome too. And tell people about the show, subscribe to the show, you know what to do, you've heard this all before, and if you haven't, welcome. Thanks for sticking with us this long. Next time, we're going to be kicking off Listener Request Month with a listener request we've gotten a couple of times in the past, and it's Barbed Wire, the Pamela Anderson movie based on some kind of graphic novel. I haven't done the specific research yet, but I'm sure that movie's going to be much better than Seven. So, what's funny is that, like, every time you order a movie off Amazon, it always, like, asks you to confirm. It's like, says, like, are you sure you want to rent this movie? This is going to be the time you hesitate. I think it'll be the time I hesitate. Usually it's just like, <laughs> click, click, I'm done. This time I might have to wait a second. But then again, I'm also going <laughs> to. You send a message in the chat, guys, we're really doing barbed wire, right? <laughs> this, is, this is happening, right? I'm doing it. It's fine. It's I'm fine spending money on this. So tune in for that one if you're a fan of the cult hit barbed wire or if you just want to hear us talk about it. Cult hit. I'm excited. I don't know if it's a cult hit. I have no idea. I've never seen it. I barely knew it existed. Jeez. Join us for that. <laughs> People, so People looking up scores is already getting scary. Scores, box office. God. <sighs> We're going to get out of here, so until next time, it's my job to let you know that every movie out there is someone's favorite movie. Seven is probably someone's favorite movie. Sure is. It's a safe bet. Take care, everybody. So long. Good night.